0: I'm Sandra Hayes Buckley, and you are listening to the Mind Your Mind podcast, a podcast that delves into what minding your mind means to different people, what self-care looks like in their lives, and why minding their minds is so important to them. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the very first full episode of the Mind Your Mind podcast. As mentioned at the top of the show, I am your host, Sandra Hayes Buckley, and for today's episode, I will be flying solo. As I answer the questions, I will pose to guests later in the series and give more of a background about who I am and what I'm all about. So, who am I? First and foremost, I am the mother of two beautiful children. JD, my eldest, is four and a half and will be starting national school in September. Elsa, my youngest, is nearly three. She was a lockdown baby and is now very much my daredevil child. We live in beautiful Ballycotton in East Cork with my husband of six and a half years, Brendan, and our little Scotty dog, Toby. I am a financial auditor by trade and recently stepped back into the corporate world by taking a part-time managerial role in a large professional services firm. I am also the owner and founder of Rainbow Crescent, an online store specialising in uplifting slogan clothing and accessories, and home to Unshopa which is a gift store within the Rainbow Crescent website, stocking products by other makers that tie in with the ethos of Rainbow Crescent, which is to promote positive mental health and put a smile on people's faces. And I suppose the ethos which I have adopted in Rainbow Crescent is part of why minding my own mind is so important to me. Mental health and in turn, mental illness are something I have been deeply affected by, Growing up, I would always have been somewhat of an anxious child. I worried a lot about what people thought of me, about how I looked, about exams and results and about how people perceived me, worrying that I was not good enough. And that stuck with me throughout secondary school, into college and on into my working life. I have a distinct memory from early 2007 which definitely instilled a greater internal pressure on myself and that feeling that I wasn't good enough. I was always quite academic and I did quite well in school, but there was a certain level of pressure from teachers to continue that trajectory. Our Leaving Cert mocks were on the week after the midterm break in February. And during that midterm break, I was unfortunately in a car accident with my family. As a result, I didn't study for those exams. When we were getting the results, a few weeks later, I was called to the back of the room and berated for getting a B in a subject that I was, quote unquote, expected to get an A in. I was told straight out that it wasn't good enough, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't doing enough and that I should be doing better. And that stuck with me. Knowing that teacher and knowing what a nice woman she is, I'm sure she meant it as to be taken as motivation to do better in the actual exam, But my inner critic grabbed onto that critique with both hands and stamped it into my mind. It wasn't until I attended counselling in recent years that I actually realised that this is where a lot of my self-doubt and feeling of inadequacy in myself came from. Then in 2020, while I was six months pregnant with my second child, Elsa, a pregnancy that wasn't without its own difficulties, the pandemic hit. At the same time, we got the keys to our forever home in Ballycotton, and on the first day of the first lockdown, we moved in. All things that would have been stressful enough individually, but combined, it created, I suppose, the perfect storm inside my mind. The feeling of isolation, being in a new place where we knew next to no one, was overwhelming. The worry about the unknown regarding COVID was terrifying, especially when I was pregnant. And being away from my parents and my sisters, who I'm very close to, was very difficult to navigate. I started experiencing severe panic attacks and unfortunately, like a lot of people do, I hid them from everyone. I used to hide in the bathroom so my husband wouldn't see me panic and struggle. I would pretend that everything was fine at appointments with my GP and midwives. And I would appear upbeat on video calls with my family and then crumble into pieces afterwards. A huge fear that I had was that I would be alone when having Elsa. When JD was born, he was silent. He didn't cry and he actually didn't breathe immediately and needed an admission to the neonatal unit to monitor his breathing. I, in that anxious state at this point, had convinced myself that the same would happen with Elsa and that I would be all on my own and unable to cope. I was completely catastrophizing at this stage, completely in that that anything-that-can-go-wrong-will-go-wrong mindset. Of course, it didn't go wrong, and thankfully, I wasn't alone when she was born, and she did cry, much to my relief. But, unfortunately, the panic and anxiety didn't stop. Um, I finally told my GP that I was feeling a little bit anxious in August 2020 and he gave me the name of a brilliant counsellor. Her style was such a good fit for me that I attended counselling with her 48 out of the following 52 weeks and the only reason that those sessions stopped was because of a change in this counsellor's circumstances. But the tools and methods I learned during our sessions, sessions that were based in cognitive behavioural therapy, were invaluable to me in approaching my anxiety and panic attacks. One of the most valuable things that she said to me during our sessions is to question if a thought is a fact. So when my inner critic takes over and my mind starts catastrophizing and moving into that worst case scenario thinking, if I can question my thoughts, the thoughts that I'm having, feelings that are coming up in my body and ask myself if they are based on factual information, It often dispels that negative thinking. Now that's easier said than than done and I found that sometimes my panic had moved beyond being able to use that method but when I was able to utilise it it was a good one to use and reach for when I needed it. Unfortunately things got worse for me before they got better. In March 2021 I started seeing my wonderful psychiatrist and started taking medication for my mental health. The following months were a case of trial and error to see what medications work and what didn't for me and my situation. During this time, I also went back to work after being lucky enough to take 14 months maternity leave, which I was so grateful for at the time, being at home with my babies and I suppose having that time to start looking after my mental health a small bit more. I returned to a role I hadn't previously been in because I had been promoted just before I went on maternity leave and with that came extra responsibility and unfortunately due to the multinational nature of the role it meant I was often working long hours, missing bedtimes with the kids, not being available for preschool drop off and just very much tied to the job and while I thrived on the extra responsibility there was then extra added on top of that which I think tipped the balance away from from my grasp. Um, Things unfortunately came to a head in November 2021. On a day where I had five panic attacks before lunch, I kept having the same thought over and over and over again. And that was, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Something somewhere inside of me, thankfully, made me pick up the phone and make contact with my GP's office. When I went in, all I could do was cry. There was talks of hospitalisation and various other plans discussed, but ultimately the biggest thing my GP recommended was that I take some time off work to get back on track and to look after myself. I'm now doing a lot better and thankfully I now know the signs when my mind is returning to a dark place and have tools I can utilise should the need arise. But this is ultimately why looking after my mental well being is so important to me, I've seen firsthand what can happen if you don't, and I don't ever want to experience the darkness that I went through or that feeling of hopelessness again, because that is exactly how I felt absolutely hopeless. Another reason why I think it's so important is because I recognize that I'm not suddenly cured, I'm not fixed as it were. all of this is just a work in progress. And it'll continue to be a work in progress forever because life is always going to throw stuff my way. And it's important to look after my mind so that I can deal with whatever it is that crops up. So after all of that, what do I do to look after my mental health and well-being? Well, for me, my biggest quote unquote self-care practice is getting down to our local beach. I would love to get down there every day but that's sometimes not possible so I try my best to get down there at least every second day. I have somewhat of an affinity to the ocean having grown up on the coast in West Cork so it was a natural move for me to settle down in a coastal village. I've also been involved in coastal rowing since I was 10 Um, so I think it's safe to say that the ocean has my heart at this stage. Sometimes when my dodgy hip allows, I get out for a walk, either alone or with whoever I drag with me for a chat or on rainy days or when the hip doesn't allow for a walk. I find just sitting in my car and taking in the sounds and smells of the ocean calms me and clears my head. So that's definitely up there for me as a good way of taking time for myself and looking after my own well-being. I suppose the best thing I've ever done is counselling and talk therapy As I mentioned earlier, I attended CBT based counselling sessions and that has equipped me and readied me for any dips in my mental health or any struggles that I might encounter. As I noted in the trailer, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a mental health practitioner, but I would highly recommend talk therapy and counselling to everyone um, because we all have those demons and struggles and stresses in our own lives. And counselling is something that can really help to bring clarity And the tools I have learned have been invaluable to my life and we will have a psychotherapist on later in the series where we will talk more in depth about some of the methods and tools you can learn through CBT. Something I have done quite recently for myself is join the community of IRE. Anyone who doesn't know what IRE is, um, it is owned by Ashton Vaughan, a fellow West Cork lady and it encompasses exercise, nutrition, mindset work as well as cultivating a really supportive community of women who are all in the program um, and are there acting as cheerleaders for everyone else. I've only recently joined the community um, but it has already helped me get more clarity on my goals and also has helped me with some body image issues that I had been having. Um, I'm so excited that the ladies from Irie will be on the pod later in the series so keep an eye out for those episodes. Another thing I found myself drawn to and now get so much value for from in terms of filling up my cup and this is something I mentioned on last week's trailer is audiobooks and podcasts. I will be popping recommendations for audiobooks and podcasts that I find good in the show notes each week. Some audiobooks I have loved and found very helpful for me on my own journey in minding my mind were Grow and Open, both by Frankie Bridge. Yes, that Frankie Bridge from the S Club Juniors and the Saturdays. She talked about her own experience of mental health and mental illness. And I found those books really moving, quite harrowing in places when listening to her recount her darkest of days, to be honest, but also really inspiring to see how she has made strides to move forward and how she continues to look after herself. I love podcasts. I will listen to anything from true crime to sport to business to wellness, all depending on my mood. Some podcasts that I have really been enjoying recently um, include my cousin, Neve Hayes' podcast. The Anchor Wellness podcast um, is a podcast where Neav talks to guests about their personal and professional journeys. So Neav is a mind-body practitioner as well as a strength and conditioning coach and a PT She's also currently studying positive psychology in the Royal College of Surgeons in Dublin. And she has a keen interest in all things health and wellness. And I found the conversations that she has had on that podcast fascinating. The conversations are so relatable and I find that in itself so valuable because there's always someone who has had similar experiences to you. And Niamh will be on the um, Mind Your Mind podcast later in the series as well. So I'm excited to get to chat to her um, about all things minding her mind. And then if I want to laugh and not get into anything too serious, I find The Laughs of Your Life by Deere Garrahy an absolute tonic. You can't help but laugh at some of the stories that her guest shares. And she has a way about her as a host of bringing laughter out of every story. One thing that has stuck with me from listening to the podcast is something Diren credits her dad with saying, and it's something they spoke about on his episode on the podcast, That is, and apologies for the language, but no one gives a fuck about you. And while that sounds brash or harsh, at the heart of it is the realisation that outside of your very close friends and family, no one is actually that bothered with what you do, and at the end of the day, no one will do it for you. So for me, when I was listening, what really resonated, and that kind of light bulb moment, if you want to call it that, was. Just how much it highlights the importance of minding your own mind because no one else is going to do that for you. And actually no one outside of your very small circle of close friends and family will actually care about what direction you go in anyway. So I suppose I hope that gives you a little bit of an understanding about me, what I'm all about and I suppose as well why I have such a passion about talking about this topic about exploring why people mind their minds and how they mind their minds. It's something that's very close to my heart and my mind and it's something that I will probably advocate forever. Um, There is unfortunately a stigma attached to mental health and talking about mental health and I want to help dispel some of that stigma, if at all possible. Um, I've experienced it myself before, And it's not a nice thing to experience. And hopefully by opening up these conversations, it will help to lift some of that stigma, to remove it and to actually get people to open up more about how they look after themselves, how they look after their mental well-being and why it's so important. And with that, we come to the end of our first full-length episode of the Mind Your Mind podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this week, and I hope you can join me next week for episode two. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next Friday. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Mind Your Mind podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, rate, review, or follow. It really does help with getting the podcast out there. You can follow us on Instagram at MindYourMindPod for extra content and some behind-the-scenes action. Talk to you next week. And in the meantime, don't forget to mind your mind.